afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cell Nation. Today, I want to talk a little bit about our our branches of government, um, our institutions, these, these federal agencies. Um, exactly w w what purpose do they serve or who do they serve? Um, just some pretty basic questions that we just don't seem to ask. So we'll dive into that in a little bit more. But first, welcome back. So I'm just doing a bit of a mental recap, uh, just, just looking back over um, just a lot of the things that have happened over the past two years. Um, uh, yeah, 10 years, but I focused in on just the past two because, well, um, a lot's changed <laughs> over the past two years. A lot has changed since 2019. Um, and we're so far into it that uh, all this, this, all this has become the new normal, and uh, we just kind of move along and go from one one uh, manufactured crisis to the next, and uh, we're so shaken up that we don't take the time to ask a lot of the obvious questions um, and look back at the the crisis that was a week ago, or a month ago, or a year ago and determine exactly how did that happen and how can we stop that from happening and, and why does this keep happening? You know, just just those basic questions. And since our uh, our mainstream media isn't taking the time to ensure that we are a well-informed uh, population, uh, we have to go out on our own. We have to do our own digging, ask our own questions. Um, and you don't have to look far. Uh, a lot of the information is in the public domain, as I've stated plenty of times before in other podcasts on other topics. Um, but we're so distracted and, and so stirred up um, uh, that that we tend to lose sight of the things that, that really matter. So I I was just just curious. I was just sitting. I, I asked myself the question, well, um, I know what I've been taught. You know, I, I, I know um, uh, and I, re I recall in school and just all the education I received and what I've been told as far as the Constitution, um, as far as these uh, institutions and, and voting and all these things. And I'm told that uh, or I was continuously told that the um, all of our political officials are public servants. You know, they serve the people. We pay their salary. You know, if we don't like them, we can get we can just vote them out. We can get rid of them all the way up to the president of the United States. You know, the people have the true power um, in this constitutional republic slash democracy. But we're a constitutional republic. You know, and, and if and there's checks and balances across all three branches, checks and balances, you know, within within each individual branch, the the, the legislative, the executive, the judicial uh, within each individual one and across all three to ensure that the people are protected, you know, and they're, they're, there's no chance of corruption. And, you know, there's all these things that have been implemented to control these issues. <laughs> and uh, which is great. That's it, it. It sounds good. And when I was in high school and I I did a lot of speech and debate in high school and academic challenge and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I felt proud to uh, spout off those things and the things that I believe to be true, that I believe to be factual. Um, but as I got into my 20s and I started to ask more complicated questions and then now into my 30s, almost 40, uh, I just there's just one big question, you know, uh, who does the system serve? 
I mean, I know we don't, of course, you know, this is a conversation that won't go into the mainstream because it, there are a lot of implications, but, you know, who do these federal agencies serve? You know, who do these, who do the branches serve and why? And what are the results? We tend to shy away from that. We, we talk a lot about intentions and traditions and all that stuff, but we won't dive into um, well, exactly what, what are the results of that legislation that, that, that became law and what are the results of this individual being elected in, into office and what did they actually do? <laughs> well, we, we steer away from those things. So looking at our branches and then going back to, you know, I have to go back to 2020, the, the year that started it all. I mean, that really got the ball rolling. All the madness that happened in, in the summer, the summer of love, as uh, I'll never forget that, as the, the mayor of Seattle put it, um, we had over 90 U.S. cities set ablaze. I mean, we there were, there were riots. There were uh, some protests that were pretty much just pre-riots. Uh, there was looting and arson, murder, rape. I mean, it, it was absolute anarchy in just dozens and dozens and dozens of cities. And it seemed, it seemed like we were so wrapped up in all the chaos that we didn't step back and look and ask the question, how, how did this happen? Why does this continue to happen? You know, where are these, um, these, these institutions and these federal and, and state level entities that, you know, we fund that were meant to protect our businesses, protect our families, our communities um, in times of crisis, such as, well, what happened in 2020. But it just wasn't there. I mean, there were just little, little bits. You would see maybe the FBI would get involved into get involved in um, um, uh, nonsensical things. I don't know if you recall, because, you know, we're, we we've been conditioned to have the uh, the memory of a goldfish. But um, there were a lot of uh, these race hate crime hoaxes. There were quite a few that happened in 2020. And the FBI was focused on those, especially the high profile ones. Uh, one in particular involved a, uh, a NASCAR driver who believed he found a, a noose in his um, in his garage. And it turned out to just be just a string. <laughs> That was used to pull the door down. But the FBI was on that within several hours. They wanted to do that. But when it came time to protect a lot of our federal buildings, um, uh, a lot of our monuments, things of that nature, um, they were very reserved. I mean, we saw that throughout 2020 when when it came to the, the FBI, the uh, the DOJ, DEA, all, <laughs> all that stuff, NSA, all these different agencies. When it came to protecting the people throughout that whole year, it just seemed like we would just occasionally see people pop up. We also seem to forget um, there there were numerous incidences where um, political officials, in this case, well, mayors, would give stand down orders to their their police officers as there was rioting and destruction and um, that happened in Minneapolis multiple times, which is how one of their police stations was raided and, and burned to the ground and 
all that kind of stuff. And there's plenty of footage of that where the mayor made the call, just abandon the police station, abandon the community and pull back and hold blocks and blocks away. It was the same thing in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The mayor there did the same thing. And we all remember how that all turned out. And all that was over a man who was holding a knife um, who the police pleaded with pleaded with just to get down on his knees so they can handcuff him, decided to go for a knife and attack them. And he was shot and survived. Um, but of course, the media turned that into the, the usual um, race baiting uh, focus where, oh, uh, yeah, poor black criminal. And oh, look, the two cops were white. So obviously there's, there's racism there, you know, because that, that's where we are. I was the same thing with the George George Floyd situation. There was no indication that race had anything to do with it, that it was any type of motivator. Um, but, well, the, the cop was white. He was black. So obviously racism, systemic racism and other words that mean nothing. You know, it, 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 we got wrapped up in that emotionally manipulated and wrapped up in that. Meanwhile, we've got. Small businesses being strategically looted and destroyed. We saw it in in New York, in New York City. We saw it in Chicago. We saw it in Atlanta. We saw it in Dallas. We saw it in Pittsburgh. We saw it in Philadelphia. We saw it in L.A. We saw it in Oakland. We saw it in Seattle. We saw it in Portland, where um, there were more and more reports that came out where small business owners were trying to understand how and why um, do they can continue to be targeted they would start to build things back up a couple of weeks would pass and uh, they would sweep through under the guise of well there was another black criminal that was shot by the police so here, here we go we can loot and everything and and now it's it's become such a norm here we are in the fall of uh, 2021 and you still have looting still going on <laughs> uh, especially in san francisco and in la and uh, a couple cities here on the east coast um, because people have been so hands off um, as far as dealing with crime because they know they won't really get any support um, that individuals are just shoplifting, taking the things they want from supermarkets and wherever. Um, and they've become so relaxed and, and so confident um, that a lot of times they're, they're not even wearing masks anymore. Sometimes they'll wear sunglasses or whatever, but they're just rolling on through. And we see these stories and we've become uh, desensitized to it where we see it. And it's just, oh, that's just another day. You know, oh, a family, you know, family of five just walked through and just stole like, you know, $5,000 worth of stuff from the store. And, oh, well, you know, like no big deal. Will the police catch him? Who knows? You know, is there surveillance footage or anything like that? Ah, it's just another day. We, we don't even think about it. And we, we just we get wrapped up in the things that we're told to care about that the media directs us towards. And these are the things that matter. These are the things you're supposed to love. These are the things you're supposed to hate. These are the things you're supposed to wear and buy, you know, and here's how you're supposed to raise your kids. You know? <laughs> I mean, all that stuff. But we don't ask the obvious questions. So 2020, if it showed you anything. Um, just how show you just how fragile everything is and how these political officials can can make the determination on um, which cities get leveled or not, which businesses survive or not. 
uh, which I would say is a sign that there's there's too much power. So and we're talking local level, state level, federal level. Because it just echoed from from top to bottom, bottom to top, um, that there was this focus on the agenda. And that's it. There was there's the narrative and you cannot steer away from that, period, regardless of whether it's, you know, what the people want or need. Um, because, yes, they're, they're public servants in, in title or in loose definition. Um, but no, I would have to say uh, in my observation that they, they continue to serve themselves and they continue to serve their donors and owners um, and, and the people. Uh, they come last. We come last unless the things that we need or want somewhat align with what the special interests want, then sure. So there, there's a, a couple of stories here that caught my eye um, when I started looking at just the uh, the three branches of government, the three branches going from local level to the federal level. Um, and then just posing that question, you know, is this for the people? Do they serve the people or do they serve the party? And I ran across quite a few stories um, involving judges um, just mandating that uh, individuals um, uh, get the the uh, COVID jab as a part of their probation. And once they agree to it. They have up to 30 days to get the to get the jab or they face prison time for violating their probation. And a lot of these criminals, of course, they feel a bit of desperation, so they'll they'll agree to anything um, uh, to uh, stay out of jail. But this sets a very dark precedence. And uh, this particular story uh, comes from Ohio, which, well, this is. The state I live in and two judges in particular, where they're, they're just taking these cases and they're throwing in there. Well, a part of your uh, probation, you have 14 days to get vaccinated, you know, or face 36 months in prison for violating your probation or, tw- or I'm sorry, 34 months or 24 months or whatever arbitrary number they come up with. And this is this was mentioned in local news. Um, but they just brushed over it. It was just kind of like, oh, all right, judges, you know, mandating it that people get the shot or they potentially go to jail for violating their probation. Ah, you know, it's normal, perfectly normal. <laughs> sure. You know, th- and throughout this year, there have been stories like that in, in multiple cities, multiple states. There have been quite a few stories involving um, divorce court where divorce court judges or mandating, well, if one of the parents happens to not be vaccinated, well, then they can't, uh, they lose their parental rights temporarily. They can't see their children um, until they get uh, vaccinated, you know, period. And there was uh, one case in particular, this was in Texas, in uh, Liberty County, where not only did the judge throw this out there, but he gave a very uh, sharp deadline. Uh, for one, he mandated that both parents become uh, vaccinated immediately and gave them uh, one week to get vaccinated or they could potentially lose um, their paternal rights. And nothing, no one, 
no one pushed that. No one really pushed back against that, at least not yet. Um, and this was months ago. Uh, there was another story in Chicago. Now, in this case, uh, people did actually stand up and say, wait, that, that makes no sense. Um, where a uh, judge determined that a mother um, couldn't see her her son until she became vaccinated. Um, and this woman even explained that, you know, she filed for an exemption. She has some medical issues, things like that. Um, she has some uh, concerns at how how her body will respond um, to uh, to the available shots. Didn't matter. Boom. You can't see your kid. And uh, a few weeks went by. There was some backlash on social media. And this particular judge, uh, I think it was uh, Judge Shapiro, um, he pulled that back and issued a statement, pretty much a like, oh, whoopsie. You know, I <laughs> I didn't think people were paying attention or would care. So, well, I guess I'll do the right thing and, and undo the wrong thing that I just did recently, <laughs> you know, and that's it. And then the story, the story died down. And once again, just something that is unbelievable. I mean, it should be just wide eyes everywhere and there should be some excitement from this, but there isn't because it's just, um, it's just another day. So there are people that believe, you know, well, the, the judges will help us. The Supreme court judges will help us. And, you know, there's that balance and there's those checks and balances. And I'm sorry. No, no, there. <laughs> Uh, time and time again, the, many of them at uh, at all levels have shown themselves to be um, uh, just an extension of whatever party is dominating um, at any particular time. And they follow that agenda. That's it. The approved agenda. And it's not about what's best for the people. It's not about serving the people. And some people would say, well, Congress has a great deal of power. What about Congress? Well, the thing about that is... <laughs> These current vaccine mandates that are out there, which are unconstitutional and honestly, they really don't mean anything. It's all, the whole thing is just it's all made up. Uh, just the idea that one man can dictate to you uh, what you should do with your body and force you to undergo med a medical procedure. It's absurd. It's all imaginary. But we, but we get so wrapped up in it. Our participation makes it real, makes it thrive, makes it lasting. But anyway, Congress. So the thing about Congress, well, they are uh, immune, if I can use that word, um, from these these mandates. Well, primarily because, well, they're Congress. The, the president can't mandate really for Congress to, to take anything or uh, do just about anything. Uh, Congress has a great deal of power. I mean, they're overlooked quite a bit. Um, especially when it comes to voting, people tend to focus on who's president and then just check down blue or, or, or red, you know, whatever your particular color, <laughs> worthless color is. But you'll you'll have that. So Congress, of course, members of Congress, they'll um, speak positively about the, the vaccine mandates or mask mandates or, or whatever, because they're constantly exempt from these things. It's 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 amazing. Just like every year well, for the past 10 plus years, when it's time to approve the federal budget, you know, when it's time to approve the the annual budget, there's always this back and forth 
there's this shutdown that's always looming over us. Um, and a lot of people are standing around wondering if they'll, they'll, uh, they'll still will have a job for one or still be paid, you know, for their work for whatever federal agency they're a part of. Meanwhile, you have members of Congress that they're, they're pulling in 120, 140, $170,000 a year and their pay doesn't stop regardless their pay and their benefits continue. So you have this powerful uh, element, this powerful branch of government that once they're in these positions, they're not really beholden to the people. They're beholden to, well, whoever donates the most money to them. And then that's who they, they follow when it's time to uh, create legislation and then vote. They, they do as they're told. A lot of this stuff is channeled through the lobbyists, the thousands of lobbyists in D.C. And we all we know this to be true. This is something that's easily verifiable. Don't take my word for it. You can just look it up. You can just look up K Street, D.C. You can look at the uh, the ever growing lists of lobbyists and then you can see the uh, the revolving door that exists between Congress and and these uh, these corporations where they bounce back and forth. The same thing on our federal agencies, which is why I, I have zero trust or zero zero faith in the FDA, considering members of the FBA, FDA bounce back and forth between Pfizer, back and forth between uh, Johnson and Johnson and other uh, other pharmaceutical companies. So zero trust. So for those who think the uh, the judicial branch is going to step in and look out for the uh, the best interests of the people, no. For those who believe that the legislative branch is um, is going to do the right thing or um, focus on creating legislation that protects the people, be it, uh, you know, protects the people from the corporations or protects the people from uh, corruption or whatever. That's it's not going to happen because so many of them benefit from it. Actually, all of them benefit from it. They thrive on it just like they thrive on the division, you know, for us to constantly go back and forth about you know, this is the fault of the Democrats. This is the fault of the, the Republicans. Um, and when in reality, it's the fault of, well, both of them, because, well, they all fall under one party, the, the big business party, the big pharma party, the big tech party, you know, period. So they're they're not going to uh, they're not going to step in and do anything. They're not going to to help us. Um, I would argue that they never have. The only time it seems that way, as I stated before, is when. Um, it appears there's a slight alignment between what uh, uh, what us middle class folks and, and the working poor and the poor, you know, when we want something and it somewhat aligns with what special interests want, then it tends to happen. But other than that, uh, no, we're, we're large in number. Uh, we have um, the power of the vote, which is. Eh. I mean, it, it's it's a fantasy, but yeah, we we all have the power of the vote, but we still don't seem to get much of anything that we want. <laughs> you know, so you have that. Well, wait a minute. There's still one branch left. Hey, Sir Thomas, what about the executive branch? Yes, the raw power, the, you know, the, the, the king of the hill or, or queen of the hill, you know, depending on what happens with Biden here. Uh, what about that? You know, the, the highest office in the land, the leader of the free world, the not so free world, but the free world, you know, it's like, OK, well, the that, that's cool and all. But 
Um, considering our, our current president, uh, he follows whatever his handlers tell him to do. He just kind of wanders around. And, you know, that's how we really got this huge push for vaccine mandates. And a, a lot of employers just rolled with it. Um, a lot of heads of uh, different federal agencies, um, many of them appointed by the president. Um, uh, of course, they're going to follow what the boss says without asking any questions. Um, even if it's in the best interest of the people that they serve to ask these questions, they, they won't. Um, so, yeah, I would say no. The the executive branch is, is not going to look out for us. I mean, it, it hasn't thus far. I mean, look at what's happened to this country in just a matter of uh, just a matter of two years. Now, I would I would venture to say that the process began a little over 20 years ago. Um, a lot of things that happened after 9-11, the big one being the Patriot Act, being the very first thing that the beginning, the beginning of uh, government overreach, the beginning of the creation of all these new worthless agencies that do nothing but serve uh, the system or whoever the owners of the system happened to be at that time, but not the people. Um, I would say a lot of it started at that point, and it's done nothing but uh, become progressively worse. Um, which is why there is such a uh, uh, strong consorted effort uh, to keep us focused on all these different distractions, um, which is why I, you know, I believe there's, you know, one crisis after the next crisis, after the next crisis, after the next crisis. Every time, you know, we get 10 seconds to breathe, something, you know, blows up or some, something crazy happens or the media tells us like, oh, look at what's happening over in like Afghanistan. You know, where that whole uh, collapse, which was um, predictable. Anyone could have predicted that. My my uh, my soon to be seven year old daughter, she could have predicted <laughs> if someone explained the circumstances, she would even she would have pieced that together. Hey, maybe we shouldn't just pull everyone out so quickly while leaving uh, U.S. citizens there and, and, a, uh, and a and a weak government and a weak military force, you know, and uh, so we get all those those great distractions to, to just keep us uh, swimming, swimming in irrelevance. So uh, we we just had uh, Halloween and um, we had Columbus Day. So, of course, we had all the, you know, uh, the, the focus on the indigenous people, the, the Native Americans, the, the people that had their land stolen from them, which... Um, I would have to say that this is the only place on the planet <laughs> where we, where we play that game where something was stolen, not conquered, you know, not won or fought for, but stolen. And people make that statement thinking that, um, uh, that they're, that they're just, they're honoring someone by making such a statement when I don't believe that's the case. I believe it's a disservice to, to the native American people to their ancestors that that fought with a lot of courage, with a lot of dignity and did everything they could to hang on to to what they had at that time. Like in every other civilization throughout the the history of mankind. But this one moment for some reason we we tend to uh I guess we don't see it that way, but 
were looking down on a group of people and saying, well, you were just too weak and not very smart. So you were taken advantage of. You were bamboozled. Your land was stolen, you know, and, that, and that's it. And I mean, it's just, it's the same routine around this this time of year with with Halloween and then with uh, with Columbus Day. And then, of course, we've got Thanksgiving coming up next month. So that'll be the media focus for a short period where it's on the, the pilgrims and all that kind of stuff and how the Native Americans had their land stolen and how terrible it was. And, you know, this is a point of history we shouldn't shy away from, just like slavery. We shouldn't shy away from it. We should just talk about it all the time yeah, because that does something. And then, of course, in December, we'll have the war on Christmas and the war on Christians. And the it's, it's the same old it's the same old rigmarole. I don't. I don't understand why so many people haven't caught on yet to this routine, uh, to this, um, the, to the, this news cycle that we kind of get, we get sucked into this seasonal list of distractions. You know, it's the same old thing. Uh, of course this year we got it. We got some, some fresh ones. Uh, we've got uh, critical race theory in schools and, you know, we're focused on that and, you know, uh, not, not so much focused on, the fact that we have um, uh, the school board association and we have teachers unions and all that kind of stuff trying to weaponize the Department of Justice to silence parents. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, we have everybody and their mother using the or trying to use the Patriot Act to just shut people up. <laughs> you know, so think about that when you when you're when you're asking that question just you know uh do these federal agencies serve us do the branches of government serve the the people the the true needs of the people do they serve someone else or do they serve something else you know look back at all these different examples of federal agencies either doing absolutely nothing and being silent like throughout 2020 and just letting your businesses and and your cities burn to the ground um, uh, look back at all the examples this year of federal agencies doing nothing um, to uh, to hold members of Antifa accountable, to hold members of Black Lives Matter accountable for the, the death and destruction and mayhem they caused um, over the past year plus. Um, but at the same time, attacking law abiding citizens. Or trying to push through more legislation to give more powers to the Department of Justice or the Department of Homeland Security. Um, to move the bar on, on what it means to be a domestic terrorist or a uh, extremist to the point where you can just point to anyone you don't like or you don't like what they're saying um, and instantly they're an enemy of the state. you know. But meanwhile, we've got all these other criminals running around here just going nuts. But it's okay because they serve the agenda. They serve the narrative. you know. So they're they're untouchable. So I mean, just... Ask those questions uh, because this a lot of this isn't new. You know, if you look back at, you know, you look at Germany in the 1930s to the, to, to the uh, early 1940s, you know, you'll see a lot of parallels um, when you when you look at uh, when you <laughs> when you look at Russia, you know, you'll see a lot of similarities. And, and these days, I mean, I can even say if you look at China, you'll see a lot of similarities there because we seem to be um, uh, both both here and in Canada and Mexico and Australia and you know, all these countries are all f trying to follow that template uh, for China. So that, that's, 
my observation. Just my observation. And I'll leave that there. But I just wanted to pose that question. You know, just... And I'm putting that out there. And, and I'm open to any any feedback that anyone wants to throw my way. on uh, Just your thoughts on our our branches of government and our federal agencies, you know, are they looking out for us? Are they looking out for themselves? You know, are, are they, are they just following a script that they're given? You know, and then if that is the case, what can the American people do to get back to, to, to reclaim their federal agencies that they fund, that they still fund, you know, to reclaim their branches of government, all of which that we fund, because as, as I've stated plenty of times before, the federal government has zero dollars and zero cents. All they have is um, what they collect. I mean, from the taxpayers, uh, that pool of people that's slowly dwindling as uh, quite a few of us move into uh, from high middle class to middle class, middle class to to working poor, from working poor to poor. Uh, but there's still quite a few of us taxpayers out there that we're funding all this stuff and we're not asking questions. And or we're asking questions, but we're not demanding uh, change. So with that, I'll leave you with one just pretty simple quote. Resolve to serve no more and you are at once freed. I do not ask that you place hands upon the tyrant to topple him over, but simply that you support him no longer. Then you will behold him like a great colossus whose pedestal has been pulled away, fall of his own weight, and break into pieces. Just a little something for those uh, those of you out there that are tired of all the, the back and forth about all the problems and you want solutions. And I've had people ask, well, what's the solution to tyranny? <laughs> you know, how do you combat that? How do you combat totalitarianism? Well, I listen to some people go on and on about, you know, revolution this, revolution that. And, you know, and and I have to catch a lot of people as they start to slide over into uh, talking about violence or violent acts, which I'm 100 percent against 100 <laughs> percent. There's always a nonviolent approach, a nonviolent answer, even in these dire situations that we're currently in now. Um, but well, first. I do agree revolution, but I I'm talking about mental revolution, changing the way we think, the way we view things, our perception of reality, our perception of the world, our perception of um, a lot of these institutions and in in forms that we operate within. That that's what I'm talking about. Mental revolution. And then what do you do? How do you combat these things? Well, it's pretty simple. What is it that makes something real? What is it that makes something legitimate? Well, I would venture to say your participation. That's what makes things thrive. That's what makes things real. Our money, it's not, it's not real. But we participate within the system. We operate within the system that it functions in. So we make it real. But if we decided, no, we want to do this. Well, then that original thing 
becomes the illusion that it is and is discarded and we move on to the thing that we want to operate within the thing that we want to participate in and then that becomes real people say hey well we uh we're dealing with tyrannical governments across the globe well not just people say that i've said that too you know how do we how do we deal with this uh totalitarian state or authoritarian state well i mean you could always just stop participating in it i mean it's it's really it's not that hard you know and this is where i look at um, the function of the mainstream media you know you have your your people that are fans of uh the conservative options when it comes to mainstream media which there aren't many but a lot of people will uh point towards fox news then you have others that are more liberal and they'll point towards CNN and MSNBC and all that stuff. And they'll talk as if their side is unique, um, different, just right, fair, balanced, all that stuff. Um, but I believe that they're both the same in the sense of their primary function and their primary function is to keep you participating in the game Right. To, to keep you believing in the system, to keep you focused and invested so it remains real, so that it remains legitimate, so that, that the illusion no longer breaks. It just remains constant, no matter how bad things get, no matter how obvious all the corruption and, and deception and um, uh, all the madness, how obvious it is and in your face. Their job is to keep you participating. And the best way to do that is with the us versus them, which is why everything is a, a two sided paradigm. It's it's always pro-life or pro-choice. It's always Fox News or CNN. You know, uh, all lives matter. Black lives matter. It, it's it's a, it's it's the same nonsense. It's the same template. For all these things, with the primary focus on just keeping you participating because that is what lends it its legitimacy. You want to stop, you want to end tyranny, government tyranny. And I'm going to put this out there for the Australians because my goodness, I mean, their, their government has just completely lost their minds. Um, I mean, all their branches, all their, all their institutions, all their agencies from, from local to federal have just gone completely nuts. And so many people feel trapped. Uh, well, technically right now they are, since many of them can't leave without the government's position, uh, permission, and they can't reenter their own country without their government's permission. But the bottom line is you can take away that legitimacy by removing your participation. Now, I'm all about, you know, practicing what I preach, uh, which is why I made my own personal choice uh, not too long ago. And my choice was to never, ever, under any circumstances whatsoever, never vote ever again. And that's my own personal choice. Because that that's how I'm combating this. I feel that this system doesn't serve um, uh, the the majority. 
it doesn't serve 300 million people, uh, 300 million people in this country, I believe, um, have been discarded and, and forgotten about. And things just keep pro- getting progressively worse because we keep ignoring this fact. Um, so I can no longer uh, participate in, in the ritual, the ritual that I've determined is um, incredibly pointless. Um, because the bottom line, and I've said this before, and I will state it a million times over, because this is what I know to be true. Voting means nothing. Now, in order to restore the function of voting, to restore the legitimacy of voting, two things have to happen. One, there has to be a detangling of big government and big business, period. Two, there has to be a immediate decrease in government power and government reach, period. Those are the two primary things that I believe must happen immediately in order to restore legitimacy in voting. Because right now it, it, it's a complete waste of time. It's, um, it's a formality. It's just something you just do just to do it just because you did it a few years ago or, you know, you, you, your parents did it, their parents did it. So now you're doing it even though it does nothing. Because we've seen time and time again, you know, uh, whoever's running for office, they say whatever they need to say, you know, to get us on board. They'll have their list of promises and nine times out of 10, they, they won't even honor a quarter of those. They just once they're elected, that's it. Especially when we're talking about um, the federal level, when you're talking about congressional seats, um, when when you're talking about the, the president of the United States. Once they're in, they're in. Because the way things are set up, it's incredibly, incredibly hard to um, uh, oust a president, to impeach, to successfully impeach a president. I mean, look at the left and how hard they went after went after Trump. And well, look, look what that got us. And we paid for that. The American taxpayer paid for all that. I mean, not a huge chunk of change, just, you know, $24 million spent. But anywho, those are just a few of my thoughts. You know, I I just, you know, I find myself sitting back and and evaluating things and and asking questions. And and I feel like this is a great uh, venue to throw those things out there. And I welcome anyone if you want to discuss these things any further. I, I'm, I'm easy to find. Um, you just Google Snell Nation. I'm all over the place still. Um, my Facebook page is still up, still good. Uh, same thing for Instagram. Uh, not on LinkedIn. Still haven't been on LinkedIn in a couple of months. They gave me, they gave me the kibosh. They gave me the boot <laughs> completely. So I'll, I'll add them. They're on my list, just like Twitter. Uh, just banned forever, you know, so, uh, which is kind of interesting because there's members of the Taliban that have accounts, but (laughs) not me. (laughs) Anyway, I got to jump off. Those are just some of my thoughts. Thank you as always for listening in. Thank you for your support. We'll talk again soon. Snow Nation out.